0: Alright, well today we conclude our series, Unlikely Heroes. We've been marching through the Old Testament, and uh, we've kind of hit the highlights. We started with Samuel, something like 12 weeks ago, I believe, and various kings. And then today we're going to talk about maybe the most famous prophet in the Old Testament. In fact, his his book is one of the longest books in the Old Testament, and that's Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, many may have heard of him. And he really fits in where we kind of left off last week. If you remember last week, we talked about King Amaziah. And we talked about how he went, he was shorthanded on the soldiers, and so he went, and he was tempted to compromise because he was looking for expediency. And we talked about that when that happens, it's not long when your convictions are going to go and trouble will befall you. So Amaziah is where we left off last week, and I want you to follow with this. Uh, Amaziah had a son named Uzziah, right? They had a bunch of Zs, and they were real creative with their names. They changed one letter, and then they just went on down the line. Now, here's where it gets real confusing. When their cousins named the same over in the northern kingdom of Israel, and then they would say the same name, and then you actually had two of the same kings at the same time. So if you ever read through the Old Testament, and you're reading through and you're thinking, man, this is really confusing. I thought we just talked about King Uzziah. I thought we talked about King Jehoash." Well that's because there's two Jehoashes, okay? there's two of them. There's one in Israel, there's one in Judah. So, yes, the Old Testament can be quite confusing. But we're talking today about Amaziah's son, Uzziah. Years. Manasseh was 54 years. Uzziah 52 years. Long time is what happened there. So they enjoyed a nice, peaceful time. For the most part, God blessed Uzziah, his kingship. But there arose a prophet at the end of his kingship and it really became a time of change and a time of turmoil and we'll dive into that a little bit more in a few minutes a few our world was rocked we've made it through the baby years we've made it through the preschool years and they were tough years i mean <laughs> tough years okay as you know we doubled our family overnight when our boys came into our home okay and so instant we became a house full of preschoolers Hannah was already in grade school. Well, two years ago, Hannah was, you know, we're already thinking, okay, she's getting ready for middle school. That's approaching. And lo and behold, we get the news. You know what kind of news I'm talking about. It's the big surprise. We're going to have a baby. And everything changed. As you well know, many of you who have and some of you have had babies later in life, you know what I'm talking about. Alright? And not that Jody's that old, okay? I'm not I'm not I'm not throwing that out there right now. Okay. Alright. She was after 30, but that's okay. She she did well. But let me let me just say, it was, was it not? I mean, I don't know if it was earth shattering for her as much as it was earth shattering at the time. And I'm working full time at the time. Well you gotta start thinking about I'm just gonna take care of what y'all thinking? I'm thinking, who's going to change that diaper? That's what I'm thinking. Right? And I'm thinking, who's taking all the diapers out? But it was a crazy time of change in our lives. And, and, and uh, I kind of liked the way things were. We kind of settled in, and I thought, it was, I thought it was nice. And God had other plans. Right? Amen. Amen. And so God used Philip to rock our world, to change our world, to throw everything upside down, and that's exactly what happened. I decided after that I needed to shave. I needed to look a little bit younger because, you know, I can't be in my mid-30s having, having another baby. So I decided to go ahead and do that. It was that or it was my approaching middle schooler. I wasn't which one that was quite sure why I needed to look younger, but I went ahead and shaved it off. Because y'all probably don't know, but for about nine years, uh, I wore this little Abe Lincoln kind of beard thing. So we got rid of that. So change was happening in the Haven household. It was crazy. And it was a time of trying to figure things out. What are we going to do from here? Okay? Because our schedule was already packed with four kids. Counting one, two, three, four. And then we're going to choose to add five. In the Bible, it says "Get your quiver. An archer would have five arrows. My quiver is full. Okay, it's it's so. It was kind of nice and steady and happy and hunky dory for quite a long time, and then came Philip. That's exactly. They had enjoyed fifty-two years of a nice king. He he prospered the nation. Everything was good, and then in Isaiah six, verse one, it says, "In the year King Uzziah." With those few words, that changed everything in the nation of Israel. How many of you know that when a long-tenured leader leaves, things change? The ground gets a little bit shaky. And what starts to happen, right? Anytime there's a void of leadership, a change of leadership, and we start to see this in the nation of Israel, things start to go a little bit crazy. You know, people who want more power start to jockey for more power. They start to want to fill in the gaps. Some are pure hearted, some not so pure hearted in their intent. And everybody's looking to like, who's in charge? What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? That's exactly where the nation of Israel is right now. When God calls Isaiah to be a prophet. Isaiah 6, verse 1. changes upon them. Let's dive in. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. Isaiah speaking, for I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from his altar, from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Verse eight. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger? To this people, who will go for us? I said, Here am I, send me. Verse 9. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? As Isaiah asked the Lord this. The Lord replies, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Last verse. And even a tent, a remnant, survive, and it will be invaded again and burned. But as the terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Let's pray. So Jesus... We pray that today, again, as we started this series, just like the prophet Samuel prayed, the young boy Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Give us ears to hear and hearts one to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing I want you to see this morning, and you can write this down, is greater receptivity. Greater receptivity in times of transition. And we hinted on this just a few minutes ago at the beginning of the message, but when. Permanency starts to feel crazy and Isaiah leaves, the kingdom starts to get an upheaval. And it's at those times of transition and craziness in our life, would you agree that we are a little bit more receptive to the voice of the Lord? Let me put it this way. God uses, and he used this time. I don't think it's by accident that Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord in the king in the year that King Uzziah died. And it's not an accident. It's because Isaiah, I believe, is more receptive. And God uses, hear me, God uses tragedy. He uses hurt. He uses separation to turn our hearts and our ears toward him. Amen. And that's exactly what's happening to the nation of Israel right now. And Isaiah is attentive, and that's why he's seeing the Lord. And we get a glimpse of this holy worship service, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the fact of the matter is, things never stay the same, right? You've heard that quote before, the only people who like change is a baby from the diaper. Bringing it back to my opening illustration, right? We just don't like change. We don't like things to go crazy. We like it to be the same. We like the good old days. But the fact is that life is always changing. And I believe that God uses transitions to speak to us. And you can write this down. God uses transitions to help us hear his voice. To help us hear his voice. Is it that God's not speaking in the good times and the successful times? No. No. It's that our ear is not adjusted to his voice, because we're focused more on our success, on our blessings, and honestly, they move in and they take the place of the voice of the Lord, and we start listening to the other voices. Remember I told you, I believe the hardest mission group to reach, I said this last week, the hardest mission group to reach is not those who are poor and needy in in the jungles of Africa or in the back of of India. is those who think that they have it all and don't need anybody. That is the toughest mission field. The affluent. So God uses transitions to help us hear his voice. Transitions like divorce, (coughs) loss of a loved one, change of jobs, birth of a baby. And my question to you today is God using... The change in your life, is he trying to get your attention, Are circumstances changing, and he wants to speak to you, and are you listening? So there's a greater receptivity in times of transition, but secondly, we see glory revealed. Glory is revealed, and boy, do we see it. This is one of those rare times in the Bible when it's it's like the veil of heaven is kind of peeled back. Not all the way, but you get just a little bit of opening of this heavenly worship service and moment. And do you see what's happening? The angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Did you notice what happened? When they were singing and when the Lord says the voices shook. The temple to its foundations. Shook the temple to its foundations. Do you know that's what happens and should happen when we experience genuine worship? We should be shaken to our foundations. We should be shaken to our core. We should say, wow, this is incredible. I don't even know if I should be here because God is so holy. And I'm so not holy. I'm the exact opposite. See, when God invades your world, it is earth-shattering, and he changes everything. And what we see here in this passage is a glorious rhythm. I call it a heavenly rhythm. Did you know heaven had a rhythm? It has a rhythm. There's a rhythm that has been going on from the beginning of time, from creation, and it's this. God reveals, and we respond. It's called revelation and response. Big words, but simply meaning that he reveals himself, he reveals his nature, he says, this is who I am, and then we have the opportunity to respond in worship, in obedience, in trust, in adoration. Revelation and response. It's the heavenly rhythm that goes on and has been going on from the beginning of time and will go on forever And ever, What does this look like? Jesus said this. He said, he revealed himself. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So when he says, I'm the living water and I'm the bread of life, he's revealing himself as that. The option that we have is do we choose to partake of the living bread? Do we choose to partake of the living water and never thirst again? That would be our response. Revelation and response. Jesus has revealed himself to be the Savior of the world. In fact, Paul said, all of God there is dwells in Jesus. The fullness of God dwells in bodily form in Jesus Christ, the ultimate revelation of who God is. The Apostle John said this, right? He said that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And it says that we beheld His glory. And that's the option. That's the response. You choose to behold him. Or you choose to be blinded. But God will be glorified. Revelation in response. He's revealed himself to be the savior of the world. The Lord of all. And our response is one of trust and obedience. He said in Luke 11. He said blessed are those who hear. That's the revelation. The word of God. And blessed are those who keep it. That's our response. Revelation and response. Thirdly, I want you to see this incredible gift of God. So after we see the holiness of God, we see Isaiah's response to the revelation. Verse. look at guilt removed is what I want you to see. His guilt is removed. Clearly says it in verse 7. It says... In fact, in verse 5, look at that. It says, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. I am undone, another translation says. Woe to me, another translation says. Because I am a man with unclean lips, filthy lips. I live among a people who are unclean, who have filthy lips. I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's army. See, that's what happens when you see and you experience the holiness of God. The proper response is shame. And hear me, there's nothing wrong with that. We kind of have gotten a word away from the word shame today. It's, it's almost become to where we don't think it's okay to be shameful about anything. And that's not biblical. It's actually a biblical response to come before the Lord and to realize whether you're looking at a sunrise or a sunset, you see the grandeur of the Creator, and you realize there is a holiness. There is an all. There is an amazingness to this world, and it must be that somebody has created this with such detail and amazement. And the fact that I can breathe another breath is just amazing. But here's the good thing God doesn't let us just sit in our shame. What we should be shameful because we are sinful. What we should realize is that God removes our guilt and he forgives us. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear our sins on the cross. The perfect revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And just... As the angel says, now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. After the angel touched the coal, the hot coal on his lips. Because you see what was so important about this? If our sins are not forgiven, we have nowhere to go. We're done. He literally is undone. He really is. Woe is me. But because our sins are forgiven, because we have been forgiven... Through the blood of Jesus, we have a response, and we can go forward. Look at this. Immediate response is one of conviction of his own sin and the sin of his people, which happens when you encounter holiness. But it's the same response. Do you remember how Peter responded when he met Jesus? Do you remember that? They're fishing, and they've been fishing all night. And Jesus approaches, and he says, hey, throw it out again. Let's see what happens. And he throws it out again and what happens, right? The nets are bursting. They're breaking because Jesus is just blessing them abundantly, right? And what's Peter's response? It's the same response. Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a crass fisherman and I, I I don't need to be in your presence. But Jesus doesn't leave Jesus says, hey, from now on, you're not just going to fish for these dirty fish. You're going to fish for men. And he changes his life, and he gives him a purpose and a plan. And that's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't leave us in our shame and our sinfulness. No, because of the cross, he breaks the sin. He breaks the shame. And he says, your guilt is forgiven. Now, here's the deal. God's response to this confession of Isaiah is forgiveness in a future. And this is key. Hear me here, because I don't want you to get confused on this point, because it's very easy to. Forgiveness is instant, but purification is a process. You, you see, he, God was forgiving the sin of Isaiah, but he was at the same time purifying a prophet for his plan. And you can write this down. Purification is a painful process, and we can put double exclamation mark after that. What do I mean by that? I think we can all agree that we haven't reached perfection. Amen? Right? On this side of eternity, we are not going to reach perfection. Okay? I hate to break that news to you. I know some of you have really been trying hard. It's not going to happen. Okay? And you just hang around me for two hours, I will testify to that to you. Okay? Perfection won't happen. But here's what can happen it's called purification. Sanctification And what it is, it's the process of becoming more like Jesus. I love Max Lucado's line on his book, Just Like Jesus. It says, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Amen? Amen. And isn't that the heart of a good father? That's the heart of a good, good father. The heart of a good father says, I love you, but what you're doing is not right. But what you're doing is not where you need to be. You're not where you need to be yet. And so I am going to continue to press in on it. I'm going to continue to prod. I'm going to continue to poke, even though it may hurt a little bit. Don't you think that the burning coal that just came onto Isaiah's lips was a little bit painful? Ouch. Yes, because God was purifying a prophet for his plan. And that's what he wants to do with you and with me. In order to purify yourself, you need to let the word in and the world out. Amen? If you want the quickest way, and there's, there's no quick way to purification, but if you want to get started the right way, get God's word in you and get the world out. Four. going is required. So after we have... This confession, we have this forgiveness, we have this purification, we now see that going is required because what is the thing? In fact, the Lord asked this question. He says, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Notice it's us there. I mean, it's not – I mean, you see a picture of the Trinity at this moment. You're not just seeing God the Father, you're also seeing pre-incarnate God the Son – Speaking and saying, who will go for us? I said, here am I, Isaiah says, send me. And he said, what's, his very, what's their very next response? He says this. He says, yes, go and say to this people. See, God knows this. He knows that we will never feel like we're ready to be sent. We'll never feel like we're ready to be used by him. But he simply says, go. Right? So we have a pool now, and with that comes blessing and burdens, like with everything, right? And I don't know if y'all want to take this as a blessing or a burden, but you may even know where I'm going with this. So um, one of my children were standing on the edge of the pool, right? And or um, may have been the diving room. The details are getting a little fuzzy right now. But regardless, I remember the moment that they were pushed in by their siblings. I mean, pushed in, okay? And so you can imagine the pandemonium that ensued after that. Okay, it was crazy, all right. But but some of us, right? If, if we're planning on diving for the first time or we're planning on, on making that plunge, sometimes you just have to get pushed in, right? And you can thank your brother and sister later for that blessing, <laughs> right? Maybe stir up the pot. Anyway, forgiveness forgiveness. That's what we need. Forgiveness. <laughs> so that's how it is with us. I think so many times we say, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. I want to be used by you. What do I do? What do I do? I'm waiting for details. And a lot of times God just says, go. And just to shut up and say, dive in. Just dive into my work. Just dive into what I'm doing. You know the certain things that that are near and dear to my heart. You know that I want the orphan to be cared for. You know I want the widow to be cared for. You know I want the poor and needy to be cared for. You know I want you to love your enemies and to bless them. So just go. In fact, in God's timeline and in work, it's the opposite of what we think. It's actually go, set, ready, right? We're used to ready, set, go. It's the opposite. It's go, set, ready, because if you wait to be ready, you will never go. Go, set, ready. So, I'm asking you today, maybe you've been responding that way and saying, "Well, I'm just kind of waiting on what God wants me to do. God will reveal that to you, okay? God's not a God of confusion. He will reveal that to you. And know why? You may not know the details. Here's the good news. It's called faith. You don't have to know all the details. Amen? Amen. By the way, a little footnote. You don't want to know all the details. Because you would never do anything. (laughs) You'd be paralyzed and frozen in fear. So God's blessing to us is this call of faith and to go. He says, I've already promised that I'll be with you. He promised I'll go before you. I'll go beside you and I'll go behind you. What more do you need? Go, set, ready. Lastly, we see a guaranteed result. A guaranteed result. And I love this. I love it when the best news is the last news. Verse 13. So if you notice in the previous verses, after God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, yes, send me. And then God says, yes, go. But here's the bad news. Everything you're going to be telling the people, they're going to have hard hearts and deaf ears. And they're not going to listen to what you're saying. Many of us would be tempted to throw in the towel at this point. But he goes on, and God says at the end of this, in verse 13, after all this happened, and he's, he's actually bringing, he's prophesying about the Babylonian captivity. He's prophesying about all their enemies coming in and what would happen to the nation of Judah. But he says this at the very end of his prophecy. He says, and even a tenth, a remnant, survive. They will be invaded again. And burned. And that's bad news. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Can I tell you that a few hundred years later, that holy seed, that stump, that one from the line of David rose up? He was born of the Virgin Mary, he lived a sinless, perfect life. And he became the sacrifice for your sin and for mine. He is speaking of Jesus here. Isaiah is prophesying already. uh, God's telling him this is what's going to happen. He says, Isaiah, it will be bad news. It's going to be a hard ministry. It's going to be a hard life for you. and And that's just the way it's going to be. But here's the good news. You're going to prophesy. And one day, there is going to be a righteous one who shoots up, and he will be a strong oak, and he will be unshakable, and he will be a blessing to the nations. Look at what Isaiah says in, six, in uh, his last, one of his last prophecies, Isaiah 61. He's speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. This is the ministry of Jesus, by the way. To proclaim captives that will be released. The prisoners will be freed. You may have heard these phrases before. He has sent me to tell all those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor is here. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. And then listen to verse 3. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Isn't that a great trade? A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Remember at the beginning when it said that the oak would be destroyed and there would only be a stump. Catch this. Stay with me on this. There will be a stump that remains, a holy seed. That holy seed is Jesus Christ. And as a result of his perfect life, sacrifice, resurrection, he invites all to come and find rest in him and follow him. And guess what they become? Oaks of righteousness. Living testimonies to the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. That's the good news. Let's pray. Jesus today. I'm not sure exactly where each person is at today, but I do know this from your word. I know that we all need our guilt removed. I know that we all need to come to that place of confession where we say, I'm undone. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. But just as John Newton said in the last two weeks, he said, two things I know. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. So my question today is, do you need your guilt removed? Had a lady come into my office a few weeks ago with incredible guilt. But she left with the peace and the forgiveness of Jesus. But it will take surrender. It takes surrender and saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I give my life to you, Lord. I no longer call the shots where you are. So wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do And I'll be an oak of righteousness for your name's sake. I will stand strong. I will let my roots go down deep into your word. And I will be a testimony. Even in the midst of the trial and the transition and the tragedy of life, I will stand strong because of you. So that may be what you need to do today. You may need to simply come forward and say, I want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. I want my guilt removed. For others, it may be that going is required. It may simply be that you need to fall in obedience to what the Lord is already prompting you to do. that you would speak during this time. That you would move during this time. That we would respond with obedience and grateful hearts today, God. That we would not